You are listening to Changing Careers, a podcast about how MBA careers are changing and how MBAs change their careers. I am Conrad Chua. As many of you know, I work at the Judge Business School in the University of Cambridge. Each year, we set aside one week in the MBA calendar for students to focus on projects and careers. We also invite some of our external consultants based outside the UK to come in and spend face-to-face time with our students. Today, we'll be speaking to one of our externals. Jen Murphy is an experienced careers professional who has worked with students in many schools in the US and most recently with Ohio University. While in Cambridge, she talked to our students about finding jobs in North America, how to build relationships as part of their job search, and finding meaning in work. We'll talk a bit to Jen about all these issues in today's episode. First, Jen introduces herself. So I'm Jen Murphy, the Assistant Dean of Career Management and Student Success at Ohio University, where I oversee the student experience from career coaching to alumni engagement, academic advising, uh, diversity and inclusion. I also am in my doctorate program at Penn, where I'm studying higher education management, and I hope someday to maybe be a vice president or president with that degree. Um, And I'm also a careers consultant at the Judge School of Business, where I get to work with MBA students on um, their career journey, their um, worries about relationship building and networking, and how to find jobs in the United States. Jen, notice that student success is part of your job type. So what does success mean for the students that you work with? That's That's a good question. I think the student success is the all-encompassing piece. So a student can come through a program and have an experience either inside or outside the classroom that will set them up for success. And I believe that career management or student organizations or how they're uh, moving through or maneuvering through their academic journey, if they have the support system in place through staff and administration, but as well as engaging with um, extracurricular Uh, outside the classroom activities will really make them well-rounded and holistic. And that, to me, is student success. So you've been speaking to our students on a whole host of things, um, including how to approach job search in North America. What's your advice to students who are studying outside North America, say in the UK, Europe, or Asia, who are looking to um, work in the US or Canada? Sure. I think it's a two two different answers for citizens of the United States and non-citizens. And because of our visa issue right now with our leadership is um, it's a little tricky to get into the United States. It's not impossible, but it's just going to look a little bit different. And the differentiators need to be set apart and um, really thought through as they're trying to have a marketing campaign around themselves to get into the States. Um, but if for any student that wants to come and work in the States, I think it's really important to understand the recruiting cycles. Recruiting cycles for finance and consulting or um, rotational programs or CPG, a lot of those happen from July through like the middle of November. It's really important for them to understand their resume, their CV, their cover letter, Their identification of people that might help them in the field needs to be identified quickly, and they need to start moving through that motion pretty fast, um, which 
I know instills a lot of panic in MBA students when they hear that. Um, but that's a programmatic hire. So a lot of companies will hire, let's say they need 100 MBA students and they're going to pick five schools they're going to hire from. Um, that's considered a program. Like at the big four, maybe they come in and say, I want to hire this many students and they're going to identify people that way. Doesn't mean they can't get in a different door. That's just the main door that you go through in a cycle. So um, the other cycles that I haven't mentioned, like sustainability or marketing or um, supply chain or operations, those happen more in the spring. So anywhere between January or uh, all the way up to April. So there is time. Plus there is some over um, overlap with the, some of the, the things I mentioned um, in the fall. I think that if the programmatic hiring is one direction they can go, but they can also do these like one-off situations. Like if you know somebody internal to, at, at Amazon, they might be able to push your, your um, application through in January or February. Um, it doesn't mean that you're not part of that program. It just means that you're coming at a different angle and a different position. Long-winded way of saying, understand the recruiting cycles, understand who can help you internal to the company, really move your resume through the system, and be really clear with what you want to do. It doesn't help to say, I want to work in the States and I'll go anywhere and do whatever. The more clear you are about, I have targeted Chicago, New York, and Charlotte, North Carolina as my top three areas where I need to work in finance. And that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm focusing on. That will be more effective and you will move through that journey easier if you're more targeted and intentional about your strategy. You bring up a really good point, which the U.S. is huge and there are lots of cities that MBAs could be working for. So is your advice, look at, your, think about the industry that you want to go into as well as the place and then work from there. I start with geographic location first. So if you can identify a top three geographic locations in the States, that would be the first place to start. Within the geographic locations, I would then identify the companies that you want to work for. So five companies per geographic location. Once you've identified those companies, identify the people within the companies that could help you and, and go for the ones with the low-hanging fruit. And by that, I mean your undergraduate alumni. Can you look in LinkedIn and see who, who works at these banks, for instance, that went to your undergrad? Who works there that went to judge? So understanding that you have a, some research to do in preparation to getting over to the States is going to be about geographic location, companies, and people to identify how to be strategic in that search. For some students, using their network to um, find a job doesn't come naturally and is sometimes uncomfortable. What's your advice to students who are looking to engage with, say, an undergraduate student that they haven't been talking to for some years now and how to overcome the discomfort when they are networking? Well, that's interesting. We could, we could chop this up a number of different ways, but I can relate in the fact that I'm, I would like to say that I'm a pretty good networker, but I definitely have to do some thought before I go into this situation. Um, I, I think that if I'm going to reaching out to somebody in my undergrad that I, I know but that I haven't spoken to in a while, I might draft an email to, to reach out. And that's what everybody does. I know that. I think what sets it apart is the commonality. So you have to find the connection piece before reaching out. So I might say, I went to Purdue for my undergrad. I might say in the subject line, um, fellow Boilermaker or Purdue grad, something where they might say, oh, I'm a Purdue grad too, or oh, Boilermaker, that's interesting. And they open it up and they see the ask. Sometimes if, if students are writing informational interview or needing information or quick catch up, it may not get read or opened um, because the other person is so busy. So understanding what is the connection prior to the engagement that you're trying to get, 
and then really fostering that connection. Um, the hardest part, and from what I've heard of from students all week, is um, maintaining and cultivating and fostering the relationship after the initial the initial meeting or the initial ask. And that's a really hard thing to do. And I think sometimes we think that it has to be very professional always. Like if you've had a connection with somebody and you talk about something very random that you both can connect over, that's okay to bring that connection point back up in order to continue the conversation. Um, and I think like an example could be if someone's really into their dog and they talk about their dog a lot and you've had a conversation about dogs, it's okay to re- reference that back in that email or in that conversation to show that you remember that that dog is important to this person. It sounds crazy, I know, but I'm looking for any kind of connection where the person can say, that person remembered this about me. That's important that they remembered. I'm going to remember this about them. It's just what I'm trying to facilitate is natural human interactions are really um, driven by connection. Human beings like connection to community and to people. And if we can identify that piece, I think this will be a lot easier through that, that networking process. That's such great advice because I've seen so many students make the mistake of treating these relationship building um, exercises as very transactional and they may quickly go down to ask, do you have a job for me? Or do you have an internship? And frankly, 99.9% of the time, the answer will be no. So ultimately though, um, all this relationship building is, has an objective, which is to get um, a post-MBA job. What's your advice to students in terms of when and how to switch gears to actually making the ask? Yeah, well, I, I think that it's, that was an example of how to bring up some of the small talk and some of the hard things that people have a, a, a tough time uh, getting after. But really, the, the underlying tone is professional um, opportunities. And although you're not going to directly say, do you have a job for me at Amazon, um, that would be very considered aggressive. Um, it's certainly okay to tell them specifically, I, I really value your opinion and your career trajectory has been very impressive. I would love to hear more about your experience as a leader in this, in this role at Amazon. I would love to hear more about this because then, then I'm hearing, I'm actually asking questions that matter to me. Like, I really want to know this instead of like, get me a job or tell me about a day in the life of being a leader at Amazon. That, that's not what I'm trying to go. If I'm asking questions that are, I'm genuinely interested in, which means I have to do the research to find out what am I interested in with this person, besides getting a job, of course. But can I be not transactional and show I'm interested in how you lead a team? And it, it, it will naturally progress that I'm now saying I'm identifying technology as my field of interest, and I have like five places that I'd like to work. So identifying your leadership style at Amazon is really important to me because Amazon's one of those five. So I think that if you can be the conversation will continue to grow, but it may not be the first thing that you say because you're looking for that connection first. As that person becomes more of a stronger connection, you can then open up and let them know what you're trying to do. Jen, you're also talking to our students in another session about finding meaning and purpose in work. What's your advice to MBAs who, uh, about finding purpose and meaning in work when they also have to pay off uh, loans, student loans, Uh, or for some of our students, uh, support a family? Well, I think that people want to be happy in their jobs. I think that they come to get the MBA to either check the credentials, like check the box of an MBA, or they're coming because they need to change their major in life. Maybe they were doing consulting, but they want to be in tech. Or they were doing finance, but now they want to be in consulting. Or they... they just they were feeling disengaged already and needed to come back to get the MBA. I'm suggesting that 
those things can happen, paying off loans and paying off everything. The money will come. They're going to get a job. They will have a paycheck. That's going to happen. If they're not happy in their job, the disengagement will happen sooner again. So in order for MBAs to feel like they have meaning and finding the meaning is really understanding and cracking open a little bit to see what's important for your work values. What do you need? Do you need autonomy? Do you need to be, um, uh, do you need accolades? Do you need um, a team? Do you need resources? Like what do you need to be fully happy at work? And knowing that will help them with their process of finding the right opportunity. The minute they're in a situation where they have a team and maybe a team member is disengaged or maybe they're the ones that are disengaged, Going back to why are they in that role? Why do they choose this position really matters. And so the workshop really focuses on um, Simon Sinek's Start With Why, his TED Talk. And I try to develop um, your own personal brand around why you're doing the things you want to do. Why are you going into this role? Like, why is this important to you? For me, I wake up every day knowing that I love to help MBAs figure out what they want to do. That's my passion. I also love to lead a team. So waking oh, and I also like to mentor women. So knowing those three things, if I can lead a team, mentor women, and help MBAs figure out their passion, I'm happy. That's why I wake up at the end of the day. It also helps that I have a paycheck too. <laughs> so, um, but I think the why is really important as you navigate the career journey. Last year, when you spoke to our students, you had a session about generational differences in the workplace. So Gen Xers, uh, millennials, etc. Do you think finding purpose, finding meaning in the workplace is something that resonates particularly with millennials? It's a great question because I do talk about that in the finding meaning. I have that same slide in there because I think it's important to understand that we have four generations in the workforce right now, baby boomers, Xers, millennials, and Gen Z. And each of them have different values and they rarely overlap. So although I do think it might be a millennial thing to find the meaning, I think that everybody has is striving for their meaning. For me, I'm an Xer, and I joke and say the best generation. Um, and uh, I really value autonomy and problem solving. If I wasn't able to have my autonomy or problem solving, I would probably naturally feel disengaged. I wasn't being utilized to my skill. But that's a value of mine. And I think that baby boomers have the same thing, and Gen Zs do as well. So some of the um, older generation have unfairly maligned millennials for being a bit wishy-washy and lacking resilience as they pursue uh, seeking purpose and meaning in their work. But on the other hand, when you're in a job, not every day is going to be smooth sailing. So what's your advice to students uh, in terms of how to develop that resilience? Because um, there will be downs in every day. And frankly, not every moment in a job is going to be this moment of epiphany. It's not? What are you talking about? Um, no, that's a great point. In fact, I always say if I'm 85% happy in my job, I'm, things are great. There's going to, there are things that I have to do as part of my job that I don't enjoy doing, but that's what I signed up to do. Um, so when you're having, this is what the session is about, when you're having moments of disengagement where you maybe are in your office and you close your door, you just need to step away from things, it takes a lot of self-awareness and it takes a personal board of directors. I have stacked my personal board of directors with people who have very different walks of life and who look different than I do to challenge me, to support me, to give me perspective on things that I might be in a tunnel vision on. So for me to have different perspectives and outside sources for me to say, can I gut check this against you? Because I'm, I'm feeling that this is, I can feel myself disengaging and I just need to know, did I overreact? Am I making a big deal about this? 
Or am I right? Is this, is this um, something that I should really pay attention to? I think that helps me with my own self-awareness and how I show up to my team. So I agree with you. It's not going to always be illuminating, um, but knowing when to turn to the people who could potentially pull you out of that or have enough self-awareness to dig deep inside to figure out what can I do to pull out because I, 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 this job matters to me and I want to make sure I continue to thrive. You mentioned personal board of directors. What is that? I do a whole presentation on this, actually. I'm really passionate about this. Um, uh, personal board of directors are people I have identified in my life, probably 15 people that, um, like I said, varied walks of life. Um, they look very different to me. Like my mentor is an African-American 50-year-old male. Um, and so I, if I have a lot of white women who are 40 around me, that's not giving me a different perspective. And so I think it's important to have a diversity of people. Um, I have somebody in my, in my personal board that's a cheerleader. I have somebody that's a critic. I have somebody that um, is a coach. I have a, um, a, a dear friend, and it could be a family member. I have a family member that's a, that knows me very well and knows some of my, my instincts. So having a broad, uh, a broad scope of people that runs the gamut of types and things they've done, and they're not all in higher education. Some, I have one that's an investment banker. I have one that uh, works in India. Because I want, I want a very different, diverse point of view. And so when an issue comes up, I might have a text message. I have them all, all on, on board. I might copy, paste, copy, paste. Here's my issue. And then I get all these perspectives back and I see it. And it was really helpful for me to come out of it. And, like, and I tell them, by the way, they're on my board. So they know. They have the expectation that, like, you're on my personal board of directors. I'm happy to do the same for you. And, and, and they do. So are you on anyone else's? personal board of directors. I, I am. I, I am on people's board directors. And, um, you know, they come at all times of day. They could come at 11 o'clock on a, on a Thursday a.m. And I, I could say, okay, well, my, per, my person, this person needs my advice on something. Here's my advice. I'll text her back or email her back. Um, so yeah. They, and they tell me that I'm on their board. So it, it's, it's a, I think it's a responsibility to people who are, um, important to you in your life. It's very different. This is not a networking thing. You wouldn't ask somebody that you just met to be on your board, but someone that knows you and knows your work style, knows your personal style and all that can really, can really help give you your own self-awareness. Yeah, and thanks very much for that. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners that we haven't covered already? I, I think I would like, well, I'd like to say this. I recognize that a job search is scary, especially in a one-year program. It can be daunting, and I know there's a lot of work that they're doing anyways academically. So adding on a layer of the career, and I, I've been telling people all week, it's like a full-time job, finding a job. You have to be very strategic and intentional about it, and it's scary. It's a scary process. It can feel, um, it's forcing you to, to, to go down a road that you may not be ready yet. They just started six weeks ago, I think, six or seven weeks ago, and that feels very soon to be on a job search. And I want them to know that, um, I want the listeners to know that it's okay to feel nervous about this and it's okay to feel vulnerable around this. This is a hard thing to do and that every MBA student that I've ever worked with feels the same way that they do. It is, it is very hard to go down the career journey, especially if you're switching industries, switching networks, looking for it in a different country. It's, it's a lot of work and MBA students all over the world feel what they're feeling about that job search. It's, it's an anxiety sometimes. And I, I want them to know that 
they will get through it. And what they will find on the other side of the journey of career is a lot of happiness if they do it the right way. Um, and they're paying attention to who they are, their values, their interests, their skills. Um, they're going to be really happy and thriving at work. That was a great conversation with Jen Murphy, whom we're really fortunate to have over from the US to speak to our students. There was a lot of good advice there about how to approach a job search in North America, how to build a relationship with your contacts, and finding the purpose or finding your purpose in work. You can listen to this show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, subscribe if you've not done so. If you've already subscribed, thank you so much. And just one favor, share this with someone you know would benefit from listening. You can leave a rating and review. It helps others discover this show. Till next time, this is Conrad Chua on Changing Careers.